All right, very cool. Hey guys, um, I was thinking about myself this week a little bit. Just some of, yeah, I know it is very selfish, you're right. But something I used to do a lot was to be very reactionary. So someone would tell me something and immediately I felt like, okay, what are we gonna do about it? Let's go, let's fix it, let's fix the problem. I am the, like, the most typical cliche guy, as in my wife will come to me and tell me why she's sad or upset or there's a problem going on. And I'm like, okay, I've listened for a good 20 minutes. Step A, you do this. Step B, boom, boom, boom. There you go. Fix your problem. What else, what else can we do today, you know? Like, I, um, I tend to be, just get in there, fix the problem, fix what's going on, tend to be reactionary. But that was actually one of my New Year's resolutions. Aaron, don't be so reactionary. When a situation comes up, think about it for 10 minutes. As in, don't be reactionary to people talking when you're talking either. Um, nothing? No joke at all? Okay. <laughs> okay. That was kind of reactionary too, even. But one of the, the most, like, I guess, who here has ever played poker? Okay. I want you to know, as your youth pastor, I am not perfect by any means. And if you want to see some of these imperfections, you will watch me play poker when new people are learning to play poker around me. Um, it is very, very hard for me to keep my cool. So with poker, right? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I like Texas Hold'em. I play a lot of Zynga poker on Facebook. Um, so you get someone new. They're playing poker the first time. And typically, you know, the, the dealer gives you the first two cards. And I look at my cards, and I see, boom, I got pocket aces. That's, that's really good. That's the best hand you can get, right? Pocket aces. I got two aces. Am I going to be like, oh, man, I got a great hand, guys. I got... No, of course not. I'm not reactionary at all. If I get like a, an ace king suited, <laughs> you know, I, I just, you try to, like, the guys with the sunglasses because they don't want any read to come off of them. But you come with someone who's never played poker before, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm all in. <laughs> it's, it makes me mad, it makes me mad, boy, just talking about it. I don't like to be reactionary, it is bad. Sometimes you have to have a cool head. Just to make sure, let's think about this. How can we respond well? Don't be reactionary. And as I was thinking about that, I was, th you know, I kind of thought, well, I think there's a difference between <coughs> responding to something and being reactionary. Now, if someone comes and tells me all these different things about how their boss is like this, and their teachers and their parents, and I have this huge crisis in my life, but you hear them talk, it's like, well, no one's going to die in the next 24 hours, so I don't know if it's a crisis. Maybe at that point, I can just say, let's get a cool head, a good night's rest, and see what's happening. But if someone came to me and said, someone just got a car accident a block away and they're hurt, is that a good time to be reactionary? Yes, right? Run to the scene, let's help. How can I dive in? Sometimes in the Christian life, we are reactionary at the wrong times and respond at the wrong times. And so we're looking at priorities, and tonight we're talking about holiness. And we're talking about holiness that is different than the world. Holiness that actually means something. I can tell all of you right now, here's the message. Go be holy. Go have a good week. See you later. And what do you do with that? It's very much, as we talked last week, abstract. Not so tangible. Why don't you guys open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter is talking 
to Christians who are being persecuted. And he is saying this, that when it comes to your Christian faith, you need to respond well. In essence, you need to be reactionary. 1 Peter chapter 1. Give me a thumbs up when you're there, please. This is good. You guys are quick. All right. Okay, a few more. First Peter chapter 1. We'll look down really quick at verse 13. Let's read a few verses there. First Peter 1, verses 13 and on. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you leave tonight with nothing else, know this. That because we have salvation, we need to be holy. A reaction that happens because of our relationship with Christ is that we are going to pursue holiness. If Jesus is our priority we will pursue holiness. And so tonight I want to look at three different passages we're going to skip around a little bit that talks about how we can do this, how we can be holy, how we can be different than those around us, right? So this is one of my all-time favorite passages. First Peter, I've talked briefly on it, maybe the longer section of it once, but I want to tell you a quick story. I worked at a, a summer camp one time, and they had these things called Circles of Affirmation. And so once a week, Saturday mornings, we all get together in our little clans, whatever you want to call them, maybe 10 to 15 of us, and they would say, okay, when it's your turn, stand in the circle, and everyone has to go around and give you one good thing about you, a word of affirmation. So some people would get up there, and they would say, relatable, neat, awesome. And then, like, the people who are, like, really quiet and reserved and just, like, they say that they, they sweat holiness, you know, like, just the people who didn't talk much, in my opinion, they get up there and people all seriously be like, Christ-like, humble, Jesus lives in you. Like, just crazy things. Like, okay, that person never talks. How can you say they're Christ-like? Jesus talked. So I get up there, right? I get, I get in the circle. What do they say? Funny. Cool. What? Come on, what does that even mean? Like, I was mad. I was just mad because I got lame adjectives describing who I was. I didn't get Christ-like or humble or going to go cure cancer one day. I got, hey, little kids think you're funny. Like, who cares, right? Like, and here's what I learned from that, thinking back to those circles of affirmation, is that most people think that holiness and godliness and humility and Christ-likeness it's just a temperament. It's just who you are in essence. I know most of you somewhat pretty well here. I know that some of you are a little more energetic, have a little more life to you. I know that some of you are a little more reserved. You guys have different temperaments. You're all different people. But your attitude and your temperament does not qualify godly characteristics. 
So holiness is one of those characteristics where it's not just a temperament. It is actually something we do. So he gives this command, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully. So that's the command. Set your hope fully on what? Well, we have to read the first part of 1 Peter. He's saying the salvation that has been given to you. The salvation, not even the angels and the prophets before you, they look down and they, they stare in amazement at the salvation. That salvation you have your hope in. How do you guys have hope in something? Don't worry. He gives us the answer. Look down again, verse 13. By preparing your minds for action and by being sober-minded. How do we be hopeful in something? We prepare our minds. In essence, what Peter is saying is, don't be, listen, don't be a lazy Christian. Learn to think. Learn to study your Bible. He's, the phrase there is really interesting. I've talked about this before. He's saying, in the, so we'll say it in the Greek, gird up the loins of your mind. That's, that's literally what it says. If anyone has a King James Version of the Bible, that's what it would come up. Gird up the loins of your mind. So, back in Roman times, they, wrote, they, they wore those long garments, right? And they'd walk around in them. And if they wanted to go into a battle or start running, they literally, they'd pull up their little long, whatever you want to call it, pajama things, and they'd wrap them up, and they'd make them more free to run. And they're preparing. And he's using that same illustration for your mind. Prepare, get into gear. And by being sober-minded, what's the opposite of being sober? What? Don't you afraid to say it's a taboo word in church? <laughs> drunk? Yes, right? But it's not so much, you know, just drunk. It's literally thing, anything that takes your mind off of being to make a clear decision. Such your hope. So you guys, listen. I say all this because this is the basis to have holiness. That holiness is not just something I say, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to make sure I try to look different. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to look different than those around me by just trying. There's literally something that we have to do before we even have holiness, and that is to set our hope in our salvation. To set our hope in our salvation. He goes on and he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He's quoting Leviticus, Leviticus 16. And here's the point that Peter is making, that the standard for God's people has always been the same. That God desires his people to be morally conformed to him. You guys, you guys um, scissors, right? Wait, you guys know what those are? Right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm blanking for a second. Um, they use scissors for like making crafts and like for pretty much wrapping paper. That's something I can think of. Like, I remember I would like cut it and it's like all thing. And then I saw my mom one time just like cut it once and she's just like, shh. It's like the best thing ever, right? I was like, whoa, you can do that, you know? It's probably like a third grade when that happened. So think of holiness like this. Think of holiness like scissors. Holiness. It's not just doing one thing. Sometimes we think holiness is just making sure that we don't do bad things, right? If I want to be holy, I have to make sure, and he says right there, do not be conformed to your former passions. So to be holy means I'm not going to do bad things anymore. I'm going to 
follow God's word. I am not going to give in to my earthly desires anymore. But, and you guys have scissors, so it's like one. There's not one arm, right? There's two of them? Correct. 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 So the other part of holiness, what Peter is saying, is that we do good things. So holiness is literally to put off the former passions and then it's to do good things as well. See, I would ask a lot of you, if I got you one-on-one, and I said, how is, how is your fight with holiness then? How do you do? Do you even think about holiness? And I'd ask you, in what ways in your life have you been pursuing holiness? And the tendency for all of us is to either talk about, either I do a lot of this good stuff. I make sure I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing prayer, I'm going to church, I, I make sure I do a lot of good things, I'm following God hard. Or the tendency, that I make sure I fight my sin, I'm watching what I say, you know, I'm really convicted about just what I watch on TV these days and what I listen to, and I'm really just trying to, to make sure I stop doing bad things. See, holiness is both. It's scissors, right? So for the rest of your life, when you're 65 years old, like holiness is what? It's scissors. It's both, right? It's, it's, it's putting off the bad, it's doing good things now. All right. Sorry, I don't have time. Um, do me a favor. Turn to First Timothy chapter four. If I can even get there. That's First Timothy chapter four. So while you're turning there, guys, holiness is like the scissors, right? But here's the thing I'm getting at is that we can't just put on holiness. We can't just try harder one time. I believe this wholeheartedly because it's from the Bible. That holiness, that us becoming more and more like God, comes from the Spirit working in our lives. However, we are responsible for creating good soil in our hearts for the Spirit to do work in our lives. So look down at verse Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Verse 8. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. See, our holiness comes by our training. So that word in verse 7, he says, train yourself for godliness. So the Greek word there, I'm going to get all fancy with you guys, gymnazo, all right, gymnazo. If I say that a little different, gymnazo. What does that make us remember a little bit? Gymnasium, right? So going to the gym. So literally what Paul is saying now is that in the way we train up in godliness and holiness is that we have this spiritual picture now of going to a gym. That we have to work at it. You guys sometimes, you know, you go to the gym and you watch people and they're like, they got the curls and they're like, like, I'm like, dude, you're not working out your arms. Like, you're working out your back. Like, they're doing everything wrong. Like, people on machines, I just like, I look at them, I'm like, dude, Humble yourself and go ask somebody how to use that machine. You know, I just like, I just scratched my head at people. Like, how could you misuse a treadmill? You literally just run on it. 
Sure enough, though, people break them, and I don't. So it, it's just crazy to me. Okay, yeah, I think it's that too. Um, so going to the gym. How? Who here has been? We all have been to the gym, right? Correct. No. Or in school, we buy body mechanics. That's what we called it. Um, is that funny? Is that is that bad? It's not funny. You thought it was a little funny. What do you guys call it? Okay, we call the body mechanics. We call the body mechanics. I didn't name the class, so don't get mad at me. Body mechanics. I did take body mechanics. And when I first got into body mechanics, guess what? I had to learn all the lifts. Bench is pretty easy, but doing a deadlift and doing the right form of squats and doing power cleans and all these different things, like it takes a little bit of learning. But in the same way, when it comes to our spiritual growth, when it comes to us pursuing holiness and pursuing godliness, it takes a little bit of work. You see, I am willing to bet that many of you here have certain sins in your life that you've struggled with for a long, long time. Probably sins that when you first became a Christian were present and they're still present to this day. Sins that you probably commit once or twice a week and you're very conscious of it. And I want to say it's probably because we don't go to the gym. We don't train at it. We don't train at fighting our sin. We don't train at holiness and godliness. And just as any athlete who wants to get big and strong and make sure that he's actually going to do well is he's going to prepare. He's going to train. When it comes to our holiness, when it comes to conforming to God's image, I wish with all of my might that it, it would come naturally. But it takes work. And there's probably some of you who say, yeah, you know, I struggle with the same sin over and over again, but I do. I try, I try to do things. I'm working at it. I, I try reading my Bible. I try making sure I spend time talking to people about these things. And I, I do put this good effort in. And maybe for you, it's not the issue of going to the gym at all. It's maybe you're doing the lifts wrong. Maybe you're doing the biceps all wrong. In verse 8, he says, For while bodily training is of some value, just a quick point on that. I've heard people even say, like, oh, you know, why do I need to exercise or eat well? This, this body of mine is going to burn away and I'm never going to go to heaven and be in God forever. The Bible clearly says there is some value to exercising. Um, can't get around that. But what does he say? Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Think about that for a second. That your pursuit of godliness and holiness, of conforming to God's moral character, doesn't just have effect for you now, but it affects your eternity. You guys, how hard and how much we train in our godliness and our holiness affects us in eternity. So I began thinking this week, well, what are ways in which high schoolers, in which everyone, every Christian can train in holiness and godliness? What are some of the, what are some of the basics? Well, I would tell you this. If you've been really trying hard to absorb things from this priority series, I think you already have a few good ones. You guys remember the first thing we talked about in the priority series? The Bible. We talked about treasuring God's word, that one verse memorized is worth more than $10,000. Do 
as I think about this passage about he's literally trying to get this illustration of training godliness, I think of spiritual disciplines. Things like fasting, abstaining from food, abstaining from food to try to train our bodies that when you become hungry, and in the same way, that's our spirit longing for God. You know, to really just absorb Scripture, to, just to go on a binge. Has there ever been a time in your life where you just close your door and just for like eight hours straight, you're just reading and pouring over Scripture? Going and just praying to God, driving out to Capitol Forest, going to a park and just walking and talking to God. The spiritual discipline called the mortification of sin. Literally to kill sin. So many of Paul's commands in those letters, put to death, kill what is earthly within you. And some of us, we try, you know, you say, well, Aaron, you know, I read my Bible. I read it every morning, or I read it every other day. Or... And all i got to say to that is sometimes we can be doing things, but doing it the wrong way. Do we truly, when we come to God's word, treasure it? When we come to God in prayer, do we just come and treat him like our little personal genie? When we come to youth group, do we just kind of take him for what we want? When we sit here and we worship, do we just make it about us and not praise God for who he is? In our lives daily, do we make God our priority? See, guys, this is, this is what it means to train in holiness and godliness. I was... Very, I'm a very optimistic person. That's something you should know about me by now. I am very, very... My wife will say it every single day, Aaron, I love you, but you are too optimistic. Do you know why? Because every morning I think that I'm going to wake up at 5.30 and get things done. So every night I go home and I set my alarm clock for 5.30 a.m. Do you know how many times I've woken up at 5.30? Zero. Ever. There's times where I stayed up till 5.30 doing homework and stuff, but... I, so they're all like, okay, uh, I'm too tired. 6.30, 7.30, 7.45, 7.51. Aaron, get up. All right, fine, I'm up. So New Year's comes, and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop being reactionary. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get straight A's for once. And my goal was to lose 20 pounds, right? 20 pounds by March 1st. So that gives me like, what, two months, right? So January 1st, I literally come in New Year's Day, and sign up for the gym membership. And the guy just like, man, you are like the cliche New Year's guy. I'm like, absolutely, here I am. Got my, my special discount because like the New Year's, whatever, you know. And I get in there probably, the, probably on the 4th of January, and I start running, and it is, this is dumb. I hate this. <laughs> Who here likes to run? I have a philosophy about running. You guys want to hear it? It's that, definitely that. But I say this. Running is a lot like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. It feels a lot better when you stop. I, I did my absolute best. And you know what? I worked at it, though. I said, you know what? For once, I'm actually going to live through this commitment. And I started dieting right. And I cut out all, you know, all those sugary drinks. And I started eating salad, which was like my nightmare. Um, and you know what? I lost a lot of weight. I lost, like... I think 29 pounds. Um, didn't help when finals came back around, and I was just like chugging two liters and Red Bulls and all this stuff. But what I learned in that 
is that just as my holiness and just as my godliness, as, as my spiritual walk with God, I, I literally just began to think how hard it was. So many days where I just felt weary and tired and just wanted to give up. But with our holiness and our godliness, it's not just about losing weight for just some monetary gain, you know. It is my priority. Jesus is my life. This is what I should be striving for and aiming towards all the time. There are good pri- there are good goals to make. I want to get these kind of grades. I want to get into this college. And I want to make sure I get better at this sport. And those are great. But our greatest priority needs to be Christ and our ambition to become more and more holy needs to surpass any other goal that we have. So one more passage. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and we'll be reading um, verse 6 and 7. Give me a thumbs up when most people are there. Okay. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For no one, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Here's the last point I want to tell you guys. We talked about how holiness means that we need to be set apart, that we are also conforming, yet doing, stop doing bad things. That holiness is something that we need to train. Romans 6 is telling us this, that holiness is only truly possible through Christ. So he's literally saying as when we become Christians, when we accept Christ as our Savior, that we die, like literally myself has died with Jesus on the cross and I have been raised with him. I don't know how that quite happens. I can't really explain that to you. My union with Christ. And then he says, why was he crucified? In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You see, holiness is only possible because of Jesus. God requires anyone who has a relationship with Him to be completely spotless, to be completely perfect, to be completely holy. It is impossible to go out and to strive to be holy and to train in godliness without first being made holy by Jesus. Now, what is it? That doesn't really make sense, right? When you're saying that I have to be holy and I'm made holy by Jesus, but then you're telling me that I have to go and be holy, right? Well, positionally, through Christ, God sees us as perfect and holy, positionally. But here's the big, big problem. We still sin, right? Who here has sinned today? Everyone's hands should go up. Everyone's hands should go up. Imagine your life for a second. Imagine that your, your life, imagine like, your life is a city, and inside this city, there's a castle. And inside this castle, there's a throne, right? On this throne of your own little life sits sin, S-I-N, sin, okay? 
you, you hear the gospel, you find out who Jesus is, you find out that he died because of all the bad things that have happened, because sin was on your throne. Sin now becomes, comes off your throne. You throw it off. You put it to death. You kill it. You say, get out of my city, Holmes. Sin was on your throne, now it's off. You now put Jesus on your throne. You say, Jesus, you're my king. You're my savior. You know, and on the throne comes all of our emotions, all of our decisions, all of our affections, all of everything comes from the throne. You see, before Christ, though, sin reigns. Sin dominates. Sin can, like, I almost want to describe sin as like the force in Star Wars. Like, it's mysterious and controls everything and it brings us and it brings us together. That's, sin is kind of like the force, right, in Star Wars. But when we accept Jesus and we put him on the throne, this is what happens. See, I'm made holy because Jesus is on my throne. I am made perfect. But why do I keep sinning? If sin is no longer on the throne, why, why do I keep making bad decisions? Why do I keep turning my back on my king? Why do I keep making dumb mistakes? Because sin is angry and it's mad and it's trying to, just like a terrorist, an insurrectionist, it's trying to make an attack, an assault on the throne. It's trying to get back and it's trying to take that place. And that is literally the war that we fight. Our sin nature and the spirit of God, that they are contrary to, what, to one another. And so holiness begins by dying with Jesus. Yet because sin is so persistent in our lives, since we are so ingrained in it, since we are so steeped in it, it continues to make assaults on our hearts and we listen to it. And so therefore, it requires training on our part that we make sure that we fight sin. And it requires that we understand that our holiness comes from having a hope in our salvation. Do me a favor, turn back to 1 Peter briefly. First Peter chapter 1. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This message right here was written to persecuted Christians. Christians who have gone through everything. Christians who have lost their homes, their families, their health, their safety. And here's the only encouragement that Peter can give them. The only real encouragement is that Christ has caused us to be born again. And that we have an inheritance that can never be messed with, that can never be stolen, that can never be taken. High schoolers, Christ is our priority because Christ is the most important thing of life. Our salvation 
is literally the most important thing that we could ever invest into. Our holiness and our godliness and our humility are the things that show us that we value our salvation. You need to be reactionary with your salvation. You need to respond. And we need to respond by training in holiness and setting our hope in our salvation. And yes, God, I can go all through life and follow all the rules and have a great life. But if I do not serve you, that life is meaningless. If I do not make Christ the true person on the throne in my life, I will continue to chase sin over and over and over. Let's pray.